0: You have covered for years the notorious Wagner Group. You uncovered, of course, the Wagner training ground in the Central African Republic. Give us a sense of what this would mean to these vast operations of Wagner across the world if, in fact, Yevgeny Prigo- Prigozhin is dead.
1: Well, this is a seismic moment, Erica. I mean, the question now becomes who takes this over? This Wagner operation has been taking place not just in the Central African Republic, where it really sort of all started when we were there, um, but also in Mali, in Libya. It has strategic importance, it has commercial importance. And so the question becomes what is the succession plan? Is there a succession plan? There have been rumblings that the Kremlin has indeed been working on a succession plan and that they they have set up another kind of rival PMC uh, to carry out this type of work, um, particularly in Africa. But the real problem is that up until the war in Ukraine, Wagner had something that the Kremlin does not. They had plausible deniability. They didn't even officially exist on paper. And that meant that they could go along and work with whatever kind of leader and participate in massacres and do all the kinds of things that states can't really do um, with impunity, basically. So if the Kremlin is hoping to continue these operations, um, it will have to think very carefully about how it goes about doing that because it will have lost that veneer that Wagner gave it of plausible deniability or a distance from some of the uh, massacres that we know uh, Wagner operatives have been involved in in the past. It it is interesting too when you you point that out, uh, which is so important to take into
0: account, and then also what we see in terms of the the warnings that we have heard from leaders, from other folks over the last couple of months uh, since that failed mutiny, that march to Moscow that we saw two months ago with Prigozhin, and how Putin feels about traitors, how Putin feels about people who turn on him or who challenge him. Alexei Navalny, of course, a great example, what happened to him when he returned to Russia, which I think makes it all the more fascinating once we saw Prigozhin turn up in Russia not that long ago. And to be there, it's remarkable that he would be back there after what we saw, Clarissa.
1: It's, uh, honestly, this is something I've asked myself so many times. How is he wandering around casually, coolly, popping up in St. Petersburg, traveling to Africa, back and forth to Belarus, seemingly without a care in the world? Either this man has extraordinary amounts of chutzpah, which, partially, I'm being a little facetious, but partially, I do think that's part of it and part of Mm -hmm. the image that he cultivated, Or did he possibly have some sense from someone in the security services uh, that he had been pardoned or forgiven? We know that he did sit down with President Putin in the days after the mutiny. We don't know exactly what was discussed at that meeting, but did he leave it under the illusion that potentially he could live out his life and die of old age? It's hard to believe that he could seriously think that because Prigozhin understands fundamentally that Putin does not accept traitors that he does not accept betrayal and by the way Prigozhin was the same way in terms of espousing that very, very hardline ideology. So this is a question, honestly, Erica, that I think will Mm -hmm. keep people talking on Twitter and online for for many, many years, trying to unravel and really fundamentally get to grips and understand why exactly Prigozhin believed uh, that he might get away with this. And frankly, that was a question that was asked just after the mutiny as well. How on earth did he think he was going to be able to pull this off uh, which is exactly what i was thinking as, as you were saying that it's
0: it, we can't ignore too what else is happening in russia in this moment right i've heard so many people in the last couple of hours talk about the importance of this being the anniversary this two months today since that failed mutiny um how much how much putin likes an anniversary and also the state of the war at this point whether there needed to be something to maybe shore up putin's image how much of all of that do you think? Could have potentially been a factor if, and a big if, obviously, there was, uh, this was a planned attack because Purgosian was on that plane and because someone wanted him gone.
1: I mean, if this was indeed an assassination, I think it's really important that it wasn't just Prigozhin, who was killed. There were others on that plane. Dmitry Utkin was on that plane, one of Wagner's uh, top operatives. So if this was a, a targeted assassination, then it's clear that the Kremlin is really trying to just draw a line under this whole thing altogether. Because it's important to note, Erica, that Prigozhin has quite a lot of support in Russia, and particularly Mm -hmm. from these hardliners who do not feel uh, that the Ministry of Defense has been executing a good job in Ukraine, who do not feel that they have been harsh enough in their tactics, uh, who accuse them of being corrupt and incompetent and ineffective. And that chorus of voices has grown far more outspoken as Prigozhin has kind of created a space to allow that kind of criticism, which frankly would have been inconceivable uh, even a of years ago. And so what will be interesting to see, I think, going forward is, do we continue to hear from those uh, hardliners? Do they continue to criticize uh, the Ministry of Defense and and the war effort in Ukraine in terms of from the Russian side? Or will this fundamentally put a stop uh, to those conversations? And also, what happens to the remaining uh, elements of Wagner, the operatives Mm -hmm. who had set up a camp in Belarus, uh, those who had refused uh, the offer of clemency, essentially, from President Putin and to officially go and join up with the Russian army, will they now face repercussions now that it appears that their leader, Prigozhin, is gone?
0: Yeah, all such important questions. Closer Ward, really appreciate you uh, being with us today. Thank you. CNN aviation correspondent Pete Munteen also with us. So Pete, um, as we look at the videos that have been posted of this crash, these moments, uh, as I have heard a number of times, a plane at 28,000 feet does not just fall out of the sky. What do you see in these videos that have been
2: posted? So many people are looking at these videos, Erica. In fact, the former managing director of the NTSB tells me an airplane like this does not come out of the sky like this without some sort of of help look at the video of this airplane essentially free falling here and you could see what appears to me to be vaporized fuel trailing behind it Uh, this is what's really interesting and and when you take it a layer further and if you slow the video down and bring up a still here this is a little blurry but this is the airplane you can see the fuselage here you can see one wing here what is missing is the other wing That is where this gets really eerie. And investigations in the U.S., typically, investigators would go through and rule things out. Was this a mid-air collision? Was this uh, something like a structural failure where the airplane broke apart mid-flight? Was this another type of emergency? Or was this airplane shot down? And that is the thing that investigators will really have to look at here if this is, in fact, a transparent investigation. We'll get to that in a second. Let's look at the flight path, because there are some more real interesting clues here. Uh, This is the data from Flight Radar 24. And that data says that this airplane was at 28,000 feet going 590 miles an hour on a northwesterly heading going northwest from Moscow to Dever. And then the tracking suddenly stopped. That says that there is something that really went awry here. The airplane was level, it wasn't climbing or descending, it didn't suddenly fall out of the sky on its own. So when you start piecing things together, That is when things really get interesting. And so now the real question here is, will Russia play with international agencies and manufacturers worldwide who may have a stake in this? This Embraer airplane was built in Brazil. Uh, The avionics likely come out of, of the United States. Usually they would be party to an investigation like this. Will Russia bring them into the fold or will they be shut out? that is going to be something that will be very interesting to follow here and if they are shut out it may lead to the worst possible scenario here that this plane was potentially shot down erica a lot of really big questions right
0: now a lot of really big questions and if in fact they were brought in will they be given or would they be given full access pete really appreciate it thank you